This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by UView. The UView aggregates your online identity to figure out what to show you. It's different for everyone. UView shows you you. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, 1976's God Told Me To and 2016's Holidays. But before we get to the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. Give me what you got. Both my questions this week are incredibly easy. Okay, I have one hard one, one easy one. In 1985's Fright Night, which character is turned into a vampire? Charlie Brewster, Judy Brewster, Evil Ed, or Detective Lennox? Evil Ed. That's correct. (laughs) Don't call me evil anymore! Kelsey. Yeah. What storytelling medium inspired and is homaged in Creepshow? 1982. Comic books. That is correct. Good job. Uh, good luck on the next one. <laughs> it's one that we you might actually know, but okay. you could very easily get it wrong. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, but first, let's talk about 1976's God Told Me To. Kelsey, why are we watching these two movies? So it's anticipation of... St. Patrick's Day. So I know that St. Patrick's Day isn't actually this week. It's next week. It's Sunday. Yeah. It's the weekend following the release of this episode. Yeah. And you told me a long time ago that you wanted to get them out a week in advance. Oh, like, well, because I want to do it before the holiday, not after the holiday. Right. Yeah. So, correct. (laughs) Uh, So we are doing St. Patrick's Day, kind of. (laughs) Sort of. Sort of. Barely. In in a very similar way to the way we did it with Maniac Cop last year, and we will talk about that (laughs) when we get to it. First off, God Told Me To is written and directed by Larry Cohen, starring Tony Lobianco, Deborah Raffin, Sandy Dennis, and Richard Lynch. What is God Told Me To about? A bunch of people start killing random people, and when asked why, they respond with, God told me to. And a cop takes it upon himself to figure out the truth. Very nice. Should people watch it? I wouldn't go looking for it. If it happened to be on television, I would watch it. Yeah, I'm a little bit upset that... I hadn't seen it already. Like, owning the DVD, I just never got around to watching it. Because I had literally never heard of it before I saw the actual box of the DVD. And I'm like, oh, this seems interesting. And I bought it, and I just never got around to watching it. I'm a little bit bummed about that. However, I would not necessarily suggest that you spend too much on it. No. It's free on Shutter. So if you have Shutter or a VRV premium subscription, then yeah, watch it. It's fun. It's it, it's a 
seventies horror movie. A I very was, se- it's al- almost exploitation horror. I was disappointed. if you're into that sort of thing. I was disappointed with the ending. Yes, I can see why you would be. But I mean, if you're into exploitation horror, see it. I think it's definitely one of those. At times, it can be very silly. At times, it makes zero sense. I mean, like, I'm glad I saw it, but that's just because I kind of want to see every horror movie ever made, so. (laughs) Well, we're getting there. I'm trying. (laughs) Might take us a couple more years. (laughs) We'll see. All right. Well, you can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 1976's God Told Me To. There is a motion picture so shocking, so controversial, so terrifying that we are not permitted to show you any scenes from it. The film is God Told Me To. God Told Me To. It will give you nightmares forever. See it if you dare. Rated R. Before we get started, I just want to say I always thought this movie was called God Told Me To Kill. (laughs) Because on the cover, it says God Told Me To, and it looks like a leather-bound Bible with the inlaid gold text. And instead of Holy Bible, it says God Told Me To, and then written in, like, blood red is kill. (laughs) And that's why I thought this movie was called, and then I find out it's actually God Told Me To. Just That was just a little personal anecdote. (laughs) All right, Kelsey, why don't you get us started? What happens at the beginning of God Told Me To? It opens on wavy colors and a choir singing. Yep. And then we have a lot of foreboding music playing over New York City imagery. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, guy riding along on a bike gets shot. And I think it's important to note, okay, so somebody is, a sniper is shooting a bunch of random people and every time one of these people dies, they get a splatter of red paint on them. Yeah. And it's bad. It's like they're getting shot. It's not like it's a squib. It's more like they're getting shot with a paintball. Yes. And at one point, somebody gets shot, and you hear the shot way after like the person way gets after shot. after the person gets <laughs> shot. Yeah. Uh, it's not exactly synced up very well. But uh, And all these people are running out of the way, and for some reason, some people choose to roll for no yeah. reason. <laughs> like, I, I, it's too long to make a GIF of all the reactions <laughs> to getting shot, but I kind of have to. Maybe it'll be uh, a couple of GIFs. Maybe it'll be like a collection of the best ones. <laughs> These reactions are fucking priceless. <laughs> I love it. So then we see a news report about it. We find out that 15 people were killed through the deputy commissioner, who is for some reason acting almost as if he's a news reporter because he's certainly not at a press conference like you would expect. That's a little bit weird. And it's the same guy from Sleepaway Camp. It is Mel, the camp counselor organizer dude from from Sleepaway Camp, played by Mike Kellen. At approximately 12.14 p.m. today, a sniper utilizing a telescopic rifle opened fire on pedestrians. His first victim, Alfred P. Majors, was killed instantly when a 22 caliber bullet passed through his temple. Fourteen other citizens were mortally wounded. Due to the tie-up, police found it impossible to uh, reach the scene of the homicides, and emergency vehicles uh, were unable to get through. At 12.24 p.m., 
the police helicopter patrol pinpointed the sniper as being perched on top of the water tower and the Haskell Publications building. But before appropriate action could be taken, one of our officers took the initiative of climbing the water tower in an effort to talk the sniper down. Yes, and uh, they show us all the cops running in to get the guy, and he's on top of a water... Water tower. A water tower on top of a building. This cop, this the main cop of the movie, climbs up his this name ladder. Is, his name is Peter Nicholas, played by Tony Lobianco. And he's trying to talk to him, and he's, you know, really desperate to find out why he did it. And he says, God told me to, and you know what? God's done so much for me, I can do that for him. God told me to. And then he just jumps off to his death. Yep. (laughs) And then they show an interview with the mother, and she's just freaking out. She's like, this makes zero sense. My son would never do anything like this. But a lot of parents of serial killers and spree killers say that. True, but we know the context of this film. So it's like, my heart goes out to this lady because she's right. She's probably right. Her son probably never would do anything like this. If any, if what happened to him hadn't happened. Yeah. And uh, she even explains, I've talked to experts and they say it's not possible what he did. And we come to find out she's right about that, too. Yeah. And we'll get we'll get into why that is. But I'm like, eh, if he was aiming for those specific people, but he's firing into crowds. Uh, like you just fire and you'll hit somebody. You know, it's it's only if he's looking for specific people, and we don't know that he is. Right. Uh, so then we see our our main cop. He is having an affair with apparently a substitute teacher. Okay, he's not having an affair. <laughs> yes, he is. He, no, he is separated from his wife, and he is living with another woman now. But both of them are aware of the other's presence, and he is in the process of getting a divorce, so he says, we find out later when he goes to his wife, that she says it's him that doesn't want the divorce. and Because he is a devout yes, Catholic. exactly. And that's kind of important throughout all of this. It's why he's so interested in the excuse that this first killer gives of God told him to. Mm-hmm. We also see a few other killings that happen in similar ways, and there's certain things that are interesting about them. I think we can just kind of burn through these ones. There's... A mass stabbing at a supermarket, a mass shooting by a police officer at uh, the St. Patrick's Day Parade, who is played by Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman in his first film role. And the reason why we why we chose this movie is because it's during the St. Patrick's Day Parade. And finally, a man who murders his wife and children. The interesting thing about the St. Patrick's Day Parade is that... Supposedly, they also filmed the actual St. Patrick's Day Parade in New York without a permit, just like they did in Maniac Cop, which is interesting because this film is written and directed by Larry Cohen, who wrote Maniac Cop. (laughs) It's just interesting. But there are obviously scenes like the police marching that were extras that aren't actually taking place during the real parade. So he gets a chance to talk to all these people, and they all say, in some way or another, that God told them to. Yes, and then he, when he talks to the man who killed his wife and children, 
he finds out more about this person that they call God. He met a uh, someone who he described as having long hair. We find out that, like, long blonde hair. Uh, from everybody, everyone who describes him, they can't get a bead on his face. Uh, they don't know if it's a man or a woman. We will be referring to the character as, uh, as he throughout the course of this because they do not say how this character identifies, and it is played by a man. The character's name is Bernard Phillips. So not to upset anybody, but that we're going to refer to him as him through the course of this conversation. Every single person that talks about him basically makes him sound like a druggie. Yeah, like, like he's a he's a hippie because he wears long hair. He, he walks, walks around them. barefoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. So they're all like, I don't know why he would be friends with someone like that. Yeah, one of the guys at the market said, you know, oh, he's the hippie type or whatever. And the mom says, yes, my son's been hanging out with, this is where he gets the name, Bernard Phillips. And he's been a bad influence. I know it's because of him, because he never behaved this way before he talked to him. So he tracks down a Bernard Phillips and goes to visit his address. My next note says there happens to be a fair going on. Oh, there was that street fair. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is that in front of the house? Yes. And then I wrote, what is this? St- oh, yes. Okay. I get it now. So he goes to this house. but before It's an apartment building because it's New York. But before he can get up to the top of the stairs, he is attacked by a crazy lady. That is his mom. That is Bernard Phillips' mom. She attacks him and, like, stabs him a bunch. <laughs> And uh, he gets him really good in his hand. And it's this really long, just straight staircase. And dark. It's really, yeah. And the editing is real bad. It's really hard to tell what's going on. She's like, he asks her why she did it. And she's like, God. And he's like shaking her going, say it, say it. And she ends up dying. Mm-hmm. I don't think, she, does she ever say God told me to? No, she just says, gah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Gah, gah. Yeah, she never says it, but he knows what she meant to say. Mm-hmm. Say it. Come on, say it. Go. Go. Say it. Go. Go. Come on, say it. Go. And he leaves and uh, walks out with his hand all cut up. Yeah. We ask, wait a minute, is is he going to get, like, other police? Like, what's he, is he just going to leave her there dead in the he stairway? Does. Yeah, and kind of he does. But then during the autopsy, it's found out that this woman, his mother, was a virgin. And when looking it up, the baby was delivered via C-section, and which is how she's able to give birth and maintain her hymen intact. Yes, and... When uh, the baby was born, he said that it didn't have, as Chris said, it didn't have a gender. It was like it was being developed, is what the doctor said. Yeah. And so they they just went with boy because that would have been best and he looked most like a boy. And that was their only reason. And that's a real thing that happens all over the world when somebody is uh, nonspecific in their sex they just get assigned a gender, I guess, boy, you know. He talks to the guy who killed his wife and family more, and he explains that he didn't even have to aim. 
which brings more plausibility to yeah. the fact that when the guy was shooting people and it was supposedly impossible, he probably didn't have to aim either. Yeah, God guides his hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the cop can't wrap his mind around this. He just, he just, like, you killed your wife and children. What the yeah. fuck is wrong with you? And he's just like, life doesn't matter on Earth, man. Right. Like, they're probably much happier where they are now. Right. Because he fully believes that God really came and told him to do this. You don't feel any pity, do you? Any remorse? I don't think I ever felt so good. How come? Well, uh, I, um, I, I thought I'd do something for him after all he's done for us. I mean, he's given us everything and asks for so little how could I refuse it? Huh? How could I? Yeah, he has no regrets. You have no regrets? Not one? Not one regret, huh? Like, not even a single letter? So he looks up what happened, the history of this woman, and he talks to a man who reportedly found her on the road, and she was running around completely naked, and she told the story of being abducted by aliens. And then she was enveloped by this this bright, warm light, and we get flashes of what is, I guess, supposed to be a prosthetic alien vagina. And Yes, it's very strange. Yes. And then this woman is let go very, very far from when from where she she started. And when this driver hits on her, she gets out of the car, which almost, you know, good for her. Because he was being a creeper, and cops happened to be right there, and they end up picking her up. So that's why there was a police report filed about this. So now we know a little bit more about where Bernard Phillips comes from, and maybe what his origin is. The OBGYN, by the way, who delivered Bernard and and assigned him his gender, is played by Mason Adams, who... I mean, he looked familiar to me, but immediately I recognized his voice. I'm like, that's the Smuckers guy. <laughs> sure enough, it was the Smuckers Raspberry Preserves. <laughs> With a name like Smuckers, it has to be good. With a name like Smuckers, it has to be good. I totally called it. I looked him up and absolutely it was him. So the cop is getting frustrated because... The other policemen won't allow him to come forward with the fact that all these people are saying, God told me to. Right. They're worried it will cause mass hysteria. And he decides to go to the press. Yes. And tells them what was said because he's concerned that someone is walking around pretending to be God and telling people to just kill people. It didn't help that before the St. Patrick's Day spree, Andy Kaufman went on, they received a call. Somebody said that there will be another murder. Five people will be killed. Andy Kaufman ended up killing four people and was then killed himself. So he knows there's something bigger going on. And the police won't admit publicly that these killings are connected or that they said God told me to. Yeah. So he goes and he tells the press and the cops were correct. It did create mass hysteria. People were uh, picketing in the streets and uh, waving Mm -hmm. signs and they think the end is coming. And so that leads to a couple of things. Number one, there's an investigation where they end up bringing – the substitute teacher in to talk about his mental state uh, and she gets kind of pissed off at them. Uh, They also suspend him 
And that was a mistake because that just gives him more time to investigate. <laughs> exactly. And also, it allows for certain people to blame God for their killings. Yes. So there's a pimp. How do I know it was a pimp? Picture a pimp. <laughs> you got it. Oh, God. And the drug storyline is really odd. It's weird. And uh, so he's paying off one of the cops to keep the heat off, but he comes to complain to this cop because somebody up top had requested arrest, like more arrests, and so he had to arrest some of this pimp's people, and the pimp was pissed off. And so he decides to kill him and then blame it on the god people, mm-hmm. and he writes God in blood on the wall, and Peter... Our guy, Tony Lobianco, comes to the conclusion that this is not connected. He was killed because he was a dirty cop. I know because none of the killers run away. They Mm -hmm. all proudly admit that they're doing it and why they're doing it. So this is not connected. It's because he's a dirty cop. I know that the pimp did it. But the commissioner, Mm -hmm. the same guy from Sleepaway Camp, basically is like, you know what? This is kind of your fault. Yeah. What do you want me to do about it? You want me to deface a cop? Yeah. I'm not going to. You gave this guy a perfect out. Yeah. And I'm just going to take it. This is exactly why we didn't want to release the information. But, you know, on the other side of that argument is people can make the decision to go nuts on their own with the real information that's out there. Yeah. Uh, so th- that's an interesting conflict between the the information being free and the public having a right to know it versus – having that information, impeding the investigation, and leading to more murders, which is exactly what happens. So it's an interesting conflict that they bring up and then never discuss again. So he gets picked up by a limousine. That's right. Picked up by the man who called him in the first place. We find out that he is part of a mystery cabal of (laughs) of white men in suits uh, who are all doing God's willing. They're they're like head religious people. Yeah, but they I don't think they ever clearly say how they, they relate are. to each other no. or who they are. Yeah. He came to them and created this council. Yes. And they talk about how oh he can communicate to us from afar now. He's getting more and more powerful the more people that are killed in his name. And he says I warned you. He forgave me and gave me one last chance. I was supposed to kill you right now. But I, but the cop stops him, but it's not like he was really trying. Yeah, this dude tries to shove Peter in front of a subway train, but the, the cop was waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, dude dies! So, okay, <laughs> so he takes Peter to this location where God is housed. God wants to talk to Peter. And they take him into the, the furnace basement area, like something straight out of Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's this... You know, those elevators that don't have doors, service elevator types, like really old-fashioned stuff, uh, takes him all the way down, lets Peter off, and then goes back up and then sticks his head out of the door to, we don't see it, but presumably decapitate him. Mm -hmm. Either way, he's dead and dude hears a scream. It's never explained how Peter gets out. I assume you can call the elevator, but there'd just be a dead fucking body in the elevator. Anyway, when he gets down there, he finds Bernard glowing with this bright, warm light, and there's fire everywhere in these furnaces. He likes it down there because it's warm, but he's kind of like being coy. 
and and hiding from Peter. And he's like, hey, if you are really God and you are proud of the stuff that you do, like, what the fuck? Why, why are you afraid of me? Yeah, he says that several times. Why are you afraid of me? And he says, why is it so important that I believe? You've shown me you can just kill people. Yeah. Why can't you just kill me? I guess he realizes that they're connected. Yeah, so the fires go rage out of control and Peter feels compelled to throw himself in, but he's able to fight it, unlike anyone else who is told what to do by Bernard, who has these godlike powers, and he ends up escaping. So he feels this connection and he starts researching his own birth history. Yes, he was adopted and you're not so, when when adoption records are sealed, basically no one is allowed to look at them. Yeah, even, but even he cops. convinces one of the the nuns at this church or wherever this this uh, religious orphanage or what have you to get his birth records. And she's like, oh, he'll, he convinced her, oh, he'll be an adult by now. He's not a minor anymore. It's not that they were sealed. It's that they're not supposed to be accessed. But he's a cop. He and he doesn't necessarily intimidate her, but he convinces her to, do, to give the birth records. And he's able to find out who his birth mother is. And he goes and he visits her. Now, Kelsey, who is his birth mother? It's Juno from Beetlejuice. The whorehouse was my idea. I couldn't believe it when I saw her. Yeah, it was a little nuts. Sylvia Sidney, who, like you say, played Juno from Beetlejuice. Yes. Uh, and you'd recognize her right away. Her voice, her look. Yes. And he shows up at this elderly home and visits her and he asks her about that police report that she gave. And she says, well, nobody cared about it then. Nobody even believed me. I stopped believing nobody believed me so much. Why would you care? And he asked her, just tell me the story. And she tells something very similar to the story that Mrs. Phillips told, which is that she was a virgin. She was abducted. There was the warm light. She was impregnated that way. And she has still never slept with a man. Uh, there's another woman in here who's 80, and she's a virgin, too. We might be the only, the oldest virgins out there. Whatever. And she realizes who he must be, and she says, who are you really? Why have you waited all this time to come? Who are you really? Which always makes me think of NeverEnding Story. Who are you really? When he's talking to the Gamork. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Who are you really? I am the servant of the power behind the nothing. And she freaks out when he admits who he is because she hates him. Yeah. He is the reason that she got kicked out of her home. Her father hit her and didn't believe her when she said she was a a virgin. Uh, She had to give the baby up. No one would look at her anymore. It was really bad. And, I mean, essentially, he was the product of a rape. So, I mean, I can understand not wanting to see him. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, And so the explanation we get for why they're so different uh, is that, well, number one, he was adopted, so he never knew the circumstances of his conception. But also, when he goes and he visits Bernard again, Bernard talks about how 
Peter's human side was more dominant. And so he didn't have the same latent abilities that Bernard ended up developing over time, who had his alien DNA be more dominant. And so he he reflects more of what the alien is, which is that warm light, which is why whenever you see him, he glows like that. So one last thing that Peter does before he goes and sees Bernard. Kind of like to, to test out his abilities. His abilities, yeah. He goes to the bar where the pimp that killed the other cop hangs out. And he basically forces the pimp to kill a bunch of people in that room and then turn the gun on himself. Yep. And then he goes straight from there to where Bernard is. Bernard reveals the fact that now that there are two of them and he's found him, uh, they can procreate. Because look, and he lifts up his shirt, and he has this alien vagina in his stomach. <laughs> it's, it's, it is weird. It is a weird thing to include. The first time you see it, you what, you're like, was that what I thought it was? Because it's just floating in space. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's kind of like pulsating. Yeah. It's got and it, multiple And it looks lips. like something's going to come out of it. <laughs> yes. But then you never see that. Yes. And then he has it on his stomach, and it's very strange. Yeah. It is weird. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, yeah, we can we can make more of us. And Peter's like, fuck that noise. <laughs> like, nobody should have this power. <laughs> I tried to write one wrong, and he went very Death Wish on the pimp. And all these black people in a bar, that's like his his thing that he needed to do to 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 write the fact that another cop was killed. Even though he didn't even fucking like the cop, whatever. <laughs> he hates the fact that Bernard is a killer and he's using his power to do this stuff and he doesn't think there should be more of them. And they never really explain his motivation. I guess it's because they want to take over our race. Yes. But that's never explained and it's really confusing because you've got one half and it's like oh I'm more of an alien than you are and that means I want to kill people and it's like well I'm more of a human which means I don't want to kill people Uh and and that's it seems like a really basic idea but they don't make it clear at all and so it's very odd and confusing I mean why did they take these women why only two why did one of them become more alien and why did the other not and why does one want to kill everybody and one doesn't well I think part of it is because they mentioned the genes right the dominant and recessive genes and they mention about how he was adopted He was given up for adoption, so he never knew the circumstances of his birth, and Bernard did. Bernard was in a much better position to realize his powers. He had more of them. Uh, He was more alien, and he had access to the story of his his conception. So it makes sense why he would be more tapped into it and, and Peter would not be. But you're right. It never explains why his desire is to kill people beyond, I guess, we want to take over the world. But you're doing it really slowly. Talk, exactly. Talk to the president. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's the worst plan ever. Yeah. And but then, the whole building collapses. But before that, like, he, like, hurts him. And he's like, you've never felt pain before. Yeah, he slaps him. And he's like, oh! Yes, he <laughs> gasps. And it's very silly. 
But yeah, he, he reveals that, oh, I'm the only one who's ever been able to hurt you because I am also a powerful alien like you are. And they end up fighting and tussling and the whole building comes collapsing down on them. A la Carrie. Yes. Bernard dies. Peter lives. But he's still arrested for killing Bernard. And when interviewed on the TV and asked why he did it. He says, God told me to. God told me to. And then he looks straight at the camera and the picture freezes. (laughs) And that's the end of the movie. Which I don't understand either because can't he just get people to like let him go? (laughs) I don't think he wants to. I think he does not feel great about who he is and what he's done. He considers himself an abomination before God. And like we say, he's very, very religious. He doesn't want even want to get a divorce. He's so religious. And he revealed the fact that, no, it's not God that's doing all these killings. So God is still good. I still believe in God. But I am an abomination. I deserve to be punished. I think it's fascinating that you bring up the fact that he won't get a divorce. He's done this with many women. He's had many extramarital affairs. Yes. So the whole, like, if I don't get a divorce, God loves me. He doesn't care if I'm, you know, having sex with a bunch of other women. What? What Catholic belief system are you following? Well, you're not supposed to covet your neighbor's wife. It doesn't say anything about you having a wife and coveting somebody else. Anyway, he's a hypocrite. And he recognizes that he's a bad person and he deserves to be punished. And he doesn't care to explain it to anybody, I don't think. But he does get on the record, God told me to. And that's the end of the movie. Kelsey, lightning round. When Andy Kaufman starts shooting people. Yeah. All these cops are surrounding him and trying to take him down. I guess their reasoning for not just shooting him is he's a cop, I guess? Yeah, they wrestle him down to the ground, yeah. But you'd think he started, he opened fire on civilians. And other cops. And they just tried to take him down and not shoot him? Yeah, well, I mean, he's in a crowd. It's not good to fire on him when you're in a crowd, too. But that is eventually what happens. I also like that after he's dead, the parade just continues. Yes, and they just kind of walk by. (laughs) There's a moment when... When I wrote down, thanks for narrating us through your epiphany, Pete, when he realizes what he is and he feels the power and all of that, he like talks us through the fact that I feel it or whatever. I can't remember exactly what he says, but it's show don't tell movie. (laughs) I'm starting to feel it. To find out. After the mother of Bernard gets killed by our main policeman. He goes and talks to the OBGYN, the Smuckers man. Yeah. And he's talking to him about the fact that she must have been raped because he doesn't believe in her story at all. Yeah. uh He says girls have great imaginations and come up with any excuse for why they had a, a baby. Right. But to not talk about rape. And it's just like. Jesus! Right. To just talk about women that way, like, oh, they have great imaginations, don't mm-hmm. they? They'll think of anything to not admit that they've been raped. Yeah. I. It just, just, it kills me the way our society treats rape. Yeah. It fucking kills me. We want to just have the women come out with it and just say what happened, but then when they do, oh, they can't be telling the truth. Right. 
And and so when people don't, because of that, it's a, well, why didn't you say anything when it happened? It's this cyclical thing that just continually, like, re-punishes women who have been victimized. Like, it's fucked. It's fucked. And And it's here in this movie because it's the 70s. (laughs) And then when he's talking to the dude who found the mother after she had been abducted, that guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. He, like you said, hits on her, even though she's totally naked, and he assumed, he assumed she had been raped. Yeah. That was his assumption, and he still hit on her. Yeah. And he even says she she looked like she had been through hell. Yeah. And he still hit on her. I hate men. Yeah, me too. Sometimes. I'm a self-hating man. <laughs> That's all I got. When he gets to the old folks' home- where his birth mom is. The lady who works there is so awful. Right? <laughs> she's talking about these old people. And she's like, oh, she's not going anywhere. None of them are. Right. And we can't be held responsible for the way her room looks, okay? They like things the way they like them. Yeah. It, oh, uh, God. It, she's just, they're just awful. And at one point when he's walking up the stairs with her, Mm-hmm. There's this part where this orderly stops and looks at them. And we thought, like, oh, that's Bernard or whatever. Yeah, nope. Never comes back. Yeah. yeah. It's like he just stopped to, like, look at the star of the movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. And nobody did anything about it. <laughs> uh, the nurse also says at one point, there's this lady who lived next door who died a couple of days ago. I mean, she just died sitting there looking out of the window. Nobody even missed her until dinner time. <laughs> Well, you know what they say. There's only one cure for old age. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. When he's talking to Juno, his mom. Yeah. It's really sad. It's very sad. You can tell that she has not had an easy life because of this. And she's been traumatized. And she's getting reintroduced to this pain. And then seeing her child really fucked her up. Yeah. God. And then he, like, grabs her. And she starts screaming, don't touch me. And he continues to grab her. Yes. Well, he's upset with her for also, I understand, if I met my birth mother and she's telling me that, like, I ruined her life. Right. But instead of being like, whoa, okay, whoa, hold on. Uh, He, like, goes in and gets closer and grabs her by both shoulders after she asked him not to touch her. And it's like, dude, what are you, Mr. Green? (laughs) I have to stop her screaming. Well, that's part of his character. I mean, like, he attacked the guy who was explaining why he killed his his wife and his children. Right, but they say you've never done that before to him. Well, uh, he goes to the press. Yeah. Uh, he has affairs, even though his religion tells him not to. So let's he, just say he went up the ladder, even though everyone liked to go and talk to the first guy. So let's just say he's very proactive. Oh, God, yes. We're talking about a totally outrageous paradigm. Excuse me, but proactive and paradigm, aren't these just buzzwords that dumb people use to sound important? Not that I'm accusing you of anything like that. I'm fired, aren't I? Oh, yes. Impulsive, I would say. Yeah. He's very impulsive. Okay. Yep, that's it. So what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? 44. Again, this is percentage of reviews that were basically positive reviews versus negative reviews. 78%. Wow. Now, granted, there are only nine reviews. Oh. <laughs> right. But that's, what, seven out of nine? That's, wow, okay. 
What do you think? Overrated or underrated? Overrated. Yeah. 78 sounds pretty high for this movie. It really does. I mean, yeah, it's a special type of horror movie. Comes from a very particular time and a particular style. And there, there is, I think, an audience for these sorts of exploitation 70s horror movies. But 78? No. Yeah, what would you, what, what's, uh, no Metacritic, no cinema score. What would you give it? I think this is a very interesting idea. It is. I think if it had ended better, if it had ended better, yeah. if, if more time had been put into the story, you know, like. I don't more- mind him having a happy ending or not having a happy ending, but. Getting arrested and then just saying God told me to sounds like something cool you felt like writing in a script. <laughs> it it doesn't feel good for the audience, I don't think. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, but like I was saying, it's got so many interesting things going on. And then what it does with it is just a huge disappointment. I would give it a 50. I'd say 55. I think I'm a little bit better on it than 50. I think it was a lot of fun in many ways. And it was very interesting. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. It had a very intriguing premise. But like you say, it where it goes with it is kind of disappointing. I wish it was it had something more interesting to say. I can tell you, when I read the description, I was not thinking it was going to go to aliens. But it did. Yeah. I mean, like, look. When I first heard about it, I thought it was going to be something to do with religion. Right. For obvious reasons. And I was really interested in that. I I was like, I wonder what they're going to do with that. Mm -hmm. When I realized it was aliens, I thought it was a little silly. But I was like, hey, I want to see where this goes. But it's interesting that this shadowy cabal of, you know, white businessmen or whatever. Religious leaders. Yeah, religious leaders. Um misinterpret this man's power as the return of Jesus and and not for what it is because aliens is just so ridiculous but I do like that they're willing to go to the extreme to follow the word of who they think is Jesus even though what he's asking of them is not very Christ-like and then that being undermined by the fact that oh, no, but it's really aliens, and that just never occurred to them that it could be not Jesus. It could be Satan or somebody else. Exactly. Like, like, look, I'm not going to say that if I met a dude who had all these powers, I would deny that. But for him to say, I'm God, and I want you to kill random people, my response would be, look, I don't necessarily believe you're God. Because I don't believe a God that God would ask me to do this. Yeah. And if you are, well, I've got some reassessing to do. Right. <laughs> and maybe I don't want to follow God. <laughs> and it's like these men all have their own free will. He's not he does force them to do certain things sometimes, but for the most part, they're acting of their own accord. Yes. And it's because they think God wants them to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. But not that they're mind controlled. Exactly. Yeah. They're they're afraid. And I think that one man who, who we see kill himself really epitomizes that. Like, oh, I did something bad by warning you about the St. Patrick's Day shooting. 
and I asked for forgiveness and he gave it to me. But in order to earn that forgiveness, I had to do this job trying to kill you. And then I failed. So now I'm going to be punished. Like, listen, I'm not religious. It's, it might be weird. You might not believe me because we've been talking a lot about God lately, but I'm not religious at all. But I do know that if you are a Christian, God doesn't require anything from you other than penitence to be forgiven. Right. Like, you don't need to, okay, I will forgive you, but only if you kill somebody for me. That should be a red flag. That's where Lutheranism came from. Yeah. (laughs) At one point when he's talking to the guy who killed his wife and children, he brings up the story of Abraham. Yeah. Which really, really bothered me because if you know Catholicism or Christianity or even Judaism, then you know the story of Abraham. He was asked to kill his son. He was going to do it. But before he could do it, God stopped him and said, you've proven your loyalty. Now just go kill a goat or a sheep. Yeah, sacrifice a goat instead. And uh, what you're supposed to learn from that is... God may test your faith, but he won't force you to do something that goes against his own commandments. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. Well, they're 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 human, they're fallible. I don't know. It just seems to me that like I would be like this isn't really what what I was told God believed right. in. But they <laughs> like even even when they're worried about it, they still believe that he is God. That's the thing. It's not like, well, I don't believe he's God, but what the fuck am I going to do? He has mind control powers. Like, it's not that. It's. But look, God doesn't need us to do his bidding. Right. If you believe in Old Testament, then you know that if he wants to kill people, he'll send his angels down and they'll do it for him. But I guess the other weird thing, though, is that when he asks, you know, kill these people. Of these men, these men think they're doing it of their own free will. So maybe these other religious leaders who are together think they're doing what they're doing out of their own free will, and they're really not. Who knows? Who knows? We will never know. Because it's a very fascinating part of the movie that the that the movie really under-explains. Yep. It's intriguing, and that's good. But it's a little bit too surface level. Mm-hmm. It it leaves way too many questions that frustrate, not excite. Mm -hmm. All right. That is 1976's God Told Me To Kill. Before we move on to our next movie, Kelsey, Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. In 2012's The Cabin in the Woods. Yes. How often must the ritual sacrifice be performed to appease the evil gods? Is it once a year? It is annually, yes. Yeah. All right, Kelsey. What is the surname of the original family sacrificed in the 1800s in We Are Still Here from 2015? I told you it was going to be really hard, and I didn't think you would get it, but you might. Oh, Jesus. I didn't even really like this movie. Uh, The Greenbergs. Dagmars. Dagmars. Can you see that old man saying Dagmar now? Yes, now yeah, that you uh-huh. say it, yes. Totally, totally. <laughs> All right, moving on to our next film, a Netflix original, 2016's Holidays. Written and directed by several people who I will not go into right now. We'll go into them when, when we do these segments. But starring 
several people who you've never heard of, but also Harley Quinn Smith, Seth Green, and Claire Grant. What is Holidays about, Kelsey? A series of vignettes, fun little spooky stories or scary stories about several holidays. And just off of memory, I won't It goes chronologically. I won't even look at my notes. Okay, let's see if you can do it. Valentine's Day. Uh Uh-huh. St. Patrick's Day. Uh Uh-huh. Easter. Uh Uh-huh. Mother's Day. Yep. Father's Day. Yep. Halloween. Yep. Christmas. Uh Uh-huh. New Year's Eve. That is correct. Very good. Yep. Should people see this movie? I'm going to say yes. I really enjoy this movie. It was... I mean, you have to you have to like anthology films. Yeah. And it so here's the thing about it, right? Like there are hits and misses here. There's fluctuations in quality because there are many vignettes written and directed by different people whose only cohesion is that they're creepy stories and that they take place on holidays. Like that's it. Almost like Twilight Zone stories. But the good news is nothing goes on for too long. Because they only have so much time to tell their story. And before you go, what? Wait, what? It's over. (laughs) Yes. And so any of the downsides are really easy to ignore. Kind of like Dead of Night, I can't remember every story that was told. Because not all of them were winners. But that's what's so great about it is you don't need to remember every single one. So I think it gets kind of a pass on the quality department because it's so easy to forget the bad stuff because all the good stuff stands alone completely separate. I think I can. You can what? Remember them all. Yeah. If you're trying to. I mean, like, <laughs> when you think when you think back on, oh, holidays, I liked that because I liked this one and I liked this one and you just the ones you didn't like kind of don't oh, come to mind yeah. as, as much. I could not have told you what happened in Mother's Day. I knew there was a Mother's Day. Uh-huh. I couldn't re- tell remember what the hell it was. I didn't remember that they did Father's Day at all. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed that one. And then I didn't even remember New Year's Eve, even though New Year's Eve is kind of my favorite. Yeah. Just because the the, the premise is so good. Yeah. But if I sat here and tried to think of the ones from the Dead of Night, I can. I really liked that movie. I really like anthology movies, which is why it's so very strange. I admit that it's strange that I really don't like. It's creep show. It's all I down like to it. the cockroaches. Honestly, I don't think that. I think that it's too silly. Well, it's designed to be silly. It's designed to be like those old horror comics. Right. But like holidays had humor. Dead of Night had humor, but it also still took itself seriously to a degree. To a degree. All right. But it's if you have a Netflix subscription, you can watch it for free. Yeah. I mean, you might as well. I enjoy it a lot. <laughs> yeah. If any one of the stories aren't, you know, tickling your fancy, just skip to the next one. It's so funny, too, because we're watching this for St. Patrick's Day, and I would say that St. Patrick's Day is probably my least favorite yeah, of the stories. I, uh, not least, but it's not... It's very weird, and it goes places. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 2016's Holidays. I'm sorry, we're closed. Oh, no, no, no. I I called about the- Sorry, pal. Holidays are hell. 
scared. Shh. Time to close your eyes and go to sleep. Someone's coming tonight. Valentine's Day. Kelsey, what holiday does holidays start with? Valentine's Day. All right. Valentine's Day, written and directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmeyer. By the way, these two are also directing the sequel to Mama and the remake of Pet Cemetery. What can you do with the Mama story? I don't know. I feel like we've looked this up before, <laughs> but I'm going to look it up right now. Hold on. Mama 2. Does it, it say anything? Nope. <laughs> it doesn't say anything. I cannot imagine how you can continue that story, but okay. Yeah, a mother's love never dies. Is it turning her into a into a villain and like making her come back? I don't know. <laughs> Although technically this poster that they have says a mother love never dies. So I think it might just be a fan thing maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? But they're doing the Pet Cemetery remake. They are doing the Pet Cemetery remake, yes. Which, by the way, I finished the book. You never did. You're right. I still need to keep reading it. The movie's coming out soon, right? Probably. Probably. <laughs> all right, Kelsey. Uh, first of all, I gotta say, before we get into Valentine's Day, I loved the opening synth, and which I guess is also interstitial, and it's at the end... It's it's got a fun soundtrack. It I does. like that. Yeah, uh-huh. it's a good soundtrack. All right, so Valentine's Day. Written and directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmeyer. What happens in it? A high school girl is in love with her diving coach. Yes. And her diving coach at first seems really ineffectual. Like he doesn't stop all the the rest of the team from making fun of this girl and like pushing her into the water and everything. And you're wondering, like, this isn't very realistic. How why would he just let these girls shout at this girl and yeah. push her into the pool? But then you find out he's dying. Yeah. He needs, like, a heart transplant or something. And you find out that the rest of the team is putting on this big fundraiser for his operation. So it's kind of like, what can he do? Yeah. Right? Can you really... He feels... He feels obligated to not get this girl in trouble um, since she's, like head coordinator of the thing and it's it, this is all taking place on valentine's day and his wife or girlfriend or whatever is being a total obnoxious total bitch. bitch like ups- she wants to celebrate on friday because valentine's day apparently didn't right. happen on a friday it's that the year day of valentine's day and she's baffled as to why they would be going out that night and not friday and he's like because today is valentine's day Friday is not Valentine's Day. And Friday happens to be the day of the fundraiser. Right. There's so many reasons why we wouldn't go out on Friday. 
She's just being a total bitch to her husband or boyfriend who is dying. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> so we find out that the main girl, her, her Maxine, father. Maxine, by the way, is her name. Yes, her father, like, killed himself with a box cutter. And yeah. she, she's, had, she had, she's had a shitty life. And the coach feels really bad for her. So because well, he gets he gets off the phone call, that shitty phone call with his significant other, and then overhears all the other girls in the locker room teasing Max with the death of her father. How about a little game of show and tell? First you show everybody your little friend, Mr. Boxcutter. <laughs> and then just watch as those donations pour in. When you tell them it's the same toy, your dear dead daddy killed himself with as he's filling out his card to his wife or girlfriend his so he instead makes it out to max yes which chris was like oh that is so inappropriate it's really inappropriate i get that but again again if i'm fucking dying i don't know i wrote down i, I get that fucking shit <laughs> i get that he's dying and she obviously needs some sort of special attention when it comes to her education and development. But the card is inappropriate either way. Even if you are dying and you don't need to worry about the consequences, <laughs> there are going to be consequences that live on beyond you. <laughs> like, obviously, there are consequences. While she's teasing her, the mean girl says to her, you know, we're the ones that are putting on this fundraiser. What did you do? Right. To help are you going to get him a new heart? And she does. Yes. She follows Heidi home. Heidi, who's the main mean girl, follows her home through the forest, knocks her out. And then the next thing we see is back at Coach Rockwell's home. The doorbell rings as he's like, oh, I don't want to go. This is obviously going to be a bad night with the SO. He gets (laughs) up. He opens the door. And there's Maxine covered in blood, (laughs) hands out, (laughs) holding Heidi's heart (laughs) as if a gift to him. It's very, it's, and then Chris was saying, like, oh, I can't even believe that a girl would be that cruel. I believe it. I've seen some cruelty. Heidi's a little much. I've seen some cruelty. You're right. You have better perspective than I do. I I have no doubt in my mind that pe- that kids are like this when yeah. you're not looking. But, yeah, so that's the end of that story, and. It was fun. It's fun. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the next holiday, St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day, written and directed by Gary Shore. Gary Shore is a name that you may have heard of, maybe not, but uh, he also directed Dracula Untold, which is where we got that audio clip of Let the Games Begin. Let the Games Begin. Whatever it is, you know, at the end of a first movie in what's supposed to be like a franchise but never becomes one. That's what that's famous for. So thank you for giving us that, Gary Shore. What happens in St. Patrick's Day? A woman is a teacher in Ireland and she apparently desperately wants to have a child but is not in a relationship Etc. Etc. She lives alone. She lives a very sad life. Her her sister just goes on and on talking about her own problems. You know, clearly this woman just doesn't have anything in her own life. <laughs> Can we talk about what, she, what she's saying? She says, her son said to her mom, it's not authentic if I smile. And her response is, yeah, it's Holy Communion, not the Dogma 95 movement. He's like, mom, it's not authentic if I smile. Yeah, it's your Holy Communion photo. 
Not the Dogma 95 movement. Do you know anything about the Dogma 95 movement? No. Okay, so the Dogma 95 movement, this is entirely off the top of my head, so I haven't done additional research, so if I get something wrong, I'm sorry. (laughs) The Dogma 95 movement is a movement in filmmaking where everything is done diegetically. There is no unnatural light. There is no unnatural sound beyond what you pick up on the camera. Like, everything is natural and nothing is inauthentic. And it was the way you made movies. Also frequently black and white. It was like the pretense movement and filmmaking around the 90s actually so making it authentic yes that's why she makes that joke it's a very good joke but it's like really niche (laughs) i don't know how many people would have gotten that (laughs) and it tells us a little bit about the history of saint patrick's day the idea is that This guy, St. Patrick, got rid of all of the snakes of Ireland. But as we all know, according to scientists, there probably weren't any snakes in Ireland. So what what are they really talking about? They're really talking about pagans and mystics. It's a metaphor. Yes. But this little vignette chooses to put both of them in here and make it about pagans and mystics, but also about snakes. Um, Yeah, so I, I read somewhere that it's based on a... Uh, a Norwegian folktale called the Lindworm Prince. Other than the fact that it's a, I mean, I'm going to spoil it. Other than it's the fact that it, it it's about a woman who gives birth to a snake-like creature. Uh, I don't see any connections. <laughs> so it seems kind of out there. But if you want to know more, look up the Lindworm Prince. So... She has this little girl who's new in her classroom. Granya. Yes, and she can't seem to get her to make friends and whatever, but... uh, Can't smile. Yeah, she tries to get her to smile and she won't. And the little girl leaves her a note that says, I'll only smile once you get your your most coveted wish or whatever. And it's St. Patrick's Day, so she's going to go out drinking with her sister. Uh Uh-huh. She gets shit-faced, wakes up. And has a message from her sister. And it's like, hey, I haven't seen you since you went out with that Danny Zuko guy. What happened? Mm-hmm. Well, she got pregnant and she's really excited about it. She finally gets to have a child. But everybody's telling her it's not a child. Yeah. So finally, when she when she goes to the doctor, the doctor, this will give you a good idea of the tone of this short film. <laughs> The doctor says, have you seen the Hollywood movie Rosemary's Baby? Replace baby with reptile and that's what you have. (laughs) Rosemary's reptile. Like those words came out of the doctor's mouth when she was trying to break the news that you have a snake growing inside of you. It was hilarious. Okay. Have you ever seen the Hollywood movie Rosemary's Baby? Yeah. If you replace baby with reptile... That's what you have. It's like Rosemary's reptile. Everyone is telling her to get rid of it, but she won't do it. But the baby won't seem to come out. So to get the the snake to come out, she entices it with a live mouse. Yes. (laughs) Well, we should probably say also that she's been pregnant for like a year. Yes. Okay. So I looked it up. How long are snake gestational periods? They're different for every snake. Okay. Uh, But on the long end, you have like a rattlesnake is 
like 170 days or just short of 170 days. So not even half a year. Uh, King Cobras are 50 or so days. Uh, Pythons are about 50 days. Uh, Anacondas are six to seven months, but none of them last a year. So I don't know. I guess because this is a very large magical Danny Zuko snake. (laughs) It has a longer gestational period. Maybe. After she has the baby... They take her to see it. Yes. Danny Zuko, who we meet, who has this really exaggerated pompadour, <laughs> and it's like he's Grania's dad kind or of. something or caregiver or something. They're all ancient and they're really old and they're trying to bring snakes back to Ireland. And he's telling Grania she's going to freak out when she sees it, just like they all do. She's not any different, this one. And she does, in fact, freak out when she sees it, but she didn't have any idea just how beautiful it would be. Oh my god. And then the we face. see it. We see it. It's this giant snake puppet monster with big eyes and a pompadour. <laughs> the snake has a fucking pompadour. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? I don't know. And it's like straight out of Hexen. Like they're dancing around with it. And yep. like they've got their uh their like animal heads on. Yep. Yeah, and then they're, like, dancing, and and Danny Zuko is like, hey, maybe you're right. Maybe the lonely and miserable is the way to go. (laughs) And it ends with her leaving, the little girl leaving the same note for a A nun. Or a nun, yeah, that's what it was. Her teacher. uh Oh, fun. The lonely and desperate. The lonely and miserable. (laughs) Miserable, okay. (laughs) All right, running tally. So far, which is your favorite? I think that Valentine's Day is, <laughs> they're both lots of fun. I probably enjoyed Valentine's Day a little bit more, just because St. Patrick's Day is bizarre. Yeah, it's really bizarre, and I kind of like that about it, but it was also kind of long. You felt it was long? I felt it was a little long for the story that it was telling. I didn't need all this weird stuff where she starts going insane. She goes into the baby clothes store and starts, like, shoving a onesie into her mouth. And Yeah, well, okay. So that part bothered me because, like, the people working there were like, this is crazy. Uh-huh. But here's the thing. I've worked in a baby clothes store. We are told that we need to be very careful with the way that we handle pregnant women. Yeah. Because you don't know what's happening. Yeah. That baby could be dead inside her. Right. And we need to be very respectful of that. When she started, like, putting it up on her face, if I had seen that working where I used to work, mm-hmm. I would have thought, oh, my God. And I would have been too petrified to kick that lady out of my store. Right? Yeah. So fun. Mm-hmm. Good times. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, what holiday is next? Easter. Easter, written and directed by Nicholas McCarthy, who did uh, The Pact and At the Devil's Door and not much else. What happens in the Easter storyline? So, I really, really like Easter. I just don't like the end. I love the idea of a little girl being petrified of the Easter Bunny. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Because... She's getting mixed stories. And this is so interesting to me because it's this is really how, interesting. This yeah. is how I grew up, and I never once thought about it this way. Because Easter is both that's the day the bunny shows up with the eggs and you get chocolate, 
and it's the resurrection of Jesus. So, like, which is it? And the girl asks her mom, and the mom has trouble explaining the two. And, like, why the mom didn't just say, well, the Easter bunny comes. It's about celebrating the holiday of Easter. Yes, Easter is about Jesus, but the Easter bunny is how we celebrate. Like, you can't say that without ruining the magic for her? Like, Because I think that. at this point, the girl's more freaked out about the idea. So she thinks of Jesus almost like as a zombie. Yes. Which is fascinating. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. He's raised from the dead. It makes sense. It makes sense that for a girl who is entrenched in our pop culture, that would be a scary idea. Him and Lazarus. There's a weird line where she says, will daddy ever come back? And the mom says, maybe. And then later the mom is seen like pleasuring yourself which why is that in there the fuck does that have to do with anything just because there's a lot of weird stuff going on in this girl's home that she doesn't know how to process and so when she sees the easter bunny she's scared but she's not like this is nonsense or whatever you know it's it's a child's interpretation of the things that she's told and it manifests itself in the form of the easter bunny which shows up in the middle of the night when she goes to get a drink of water, which I'm sorry. If you just talk to your mom about how the Easter Bunny can't see you awake and now you're scared, what happens if I get up to get a drink of water? Don't leave the room then. I agree. Why would you do that? If you're really a child and you're scared of the Easter Bunny, why would you get out of your room? I agree. That's it's that's what kind of it breaks the whole entire flow of the plot. But whatever she does, she gets the water and then she sees this weird thing that doesn't plant eggs. Okay, so first of all, an egg rolls in the open backsliding glass door, and then something hatches from it. Mm-hmm. We never see what. Then we see a man wearing a loincloth, like Jesus on the cross, and he has the signs of stigmata. Stigmata. With and, baby and, chicks coming yeah, out. Yeah, and through the holes in his hand, baby chicks are birthed. Which is, it, what's happening is we're getting that amalgamation of all the stories that the girl's been told, what that creates in her head. And it's really fascinating. And then it sees her as she tries to sneak back to her house, or back to her room, unseen. And it stops her, and it talks to her. And it, it is literally Jesus, but with a weird mutated human rabbit face. Yes. And it tells her that, hey, you saw me. Now that you've seen me, you must take my place. Now, again, this is all kind of in the little girl's head because you to believe that, you'd have to believe that Jesus has been the Easter Bunny for 2,000 years and has, no kid has ever seen him ever. Yeah. But apparently if you see him, you have to take his place. Yeah. Okay, whatever. It's a little strange. He feeds her an egg. And, like, he puts her... He, I don't know if she doesn't believe in him or whatever. He puts her finger into his one of his wounds, like doubting Thomas. Yeah. But like But he like gets off on it. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. He's like having an orgasm and she's freaking out. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. So I mean, and then she becomes the Easter bunny, and when the mom goes looking for her, she's not actually there. Yeah, and like sometimes he seems okay. Like, he's like, you will see magical things that you never knew existed. And she's like, what if I don't want to? And he's like, you don't have a choice. Well, it's like Pan from Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Uh, And then she's like, well, I get to see my mommy. And he's like, you will never see your mommy again. It it has, like, a weird tone. Like, it goes back and forth between, like, just interesting weird to creepy weird. Yeah. 
I feel like if this one was longer, it could have told us more. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot more going on here that I was interested in that I feel a little bit shortchanged by. I agree. But it, that's Easter. It feels like there were a lot of ideas going into this. And like Chris said, if they had more time to look into them, we yeah. could have actually had a story. But instead, they put so much into this tiny little vignette and it just kind of leaves you like I was really enjoying it until the end. And then like it got really creepy and weird. And yeah. it was just like, I don't know what I was supposed to get out of that. Right. All right, Kelsey. What holiday comes after Easter? Mother's Day. Written and directed by Sarah Adina Smith, who is most famous for directing episodes of television shows, including Room 104, Legion, and the new Hannah series based off of the movie Hannah, which who knows, it might be based off of something else. I don't know. Legion, though. We really like Legion. We really loved the first season of Legion. We, we never just finished never the second finished one. the second one. I know. We, we, tr- we got to go back. We started watching Room 104. We tried. It's a little, it's it's just not as good as The Twilight Zone. It's no. It's not as good as, and it wants to be, and it's not. No. Or it wants to be as good as Black Mirror. And even I have issues with Black Mirror, so. Yeah. So what happens in Mother's Day, Kelsey? There is a woman who has had almost 20 abortions because every single time she has sex, she gets pregnant. Even though she makes her boyfriend wear, like, three condoms. And she's on the pill. Yes. Yeah. And she says it's like she's cursed. And her OBGYN says, hey, why don't I send you to a fertility thing in the desert? Well, it's something my-, my sister runs. Obviously, traditional medicine is not doing the thing for you. So you got to go out there and get the weird shit. Well, my automatic response is fertility. That's the opposite yeah, of what I want. She doesn't ask any questions about yeah. why when she shows up, everyone there is desperate to get pregnant. Not, not get pregnant. (laughs) She never asks any questions, and eventually she is drugged. Well, they tell her that. They're like, hey, have you ever been to a thing on peyote? (laughs) You know, like, Uh so she knows that she's getting into this. Like, I don't know. If you were to tell me, hey, go out to this group in the desert by yourself and do a bunch of drugs with these women who desperately want to get pregnant, and you can't stop getting pregnant, I'd be like, Fuck that noise. That sounds dangerous as shit. Right. Yeah. Um, and so they basically rape her a la like Rosemary's baby. Like they, yes. they call her a gateway. So like I guess it was like preordained that she would do this. But they keep her at the compound and they just keep her drugged. But she keeps trying to get away. She almost is successful, but, but then, she's on so many drugs she can't and she's in the middle of the desert. Like what was right. what was her plan? But then she she collapses and she starts to go into labor. And everyone's around and they're all kind of excited and like, oh, I hope the baby's okay. And then we see from her perspective with like legs up, almost stirrup like uh, ready to give birth. And we see all the women in this coven like surrounding her that way. And they all freak out when all of a sudden like a an adult sized arm comes bursting out of her and grabs onto her leg. And, and that's, that's the, the end. end. 
Again, I feel like there was a lot of things going on here that, again, they didn't have enough time to to show us, to explain to us. Right. It requires, I, maybe because it's so short, it requires that you just go along with a bunch of things that are nonsense. Yes. And it loses me at several points throughout. I think it works as a short story, but again, you're asking your audience to just be like, okay. Yeah, exactly. And that that's a bummer because I feel like... There's not a lot to it at that point. Right. If you're just asking me to just be like, oh, that was a creepy story. Okay. Is I mean, that what you wanted Just me to going feel? along with the fact that, okay, the girls were bitches and the teacher was ineffectual and this girl is homicidal and thinks that because her coach needs a heart, he's going to rip out this girl's heart and just hand it to her and everything's going to be great. It requires you to just go, okay, but I'm okay with that. That's it's like, a complete story. Yeah, it is. This is not. Yeah. And it requires you at too many points to go, oh, word? <laughs> there's a okay. reason that I forgot about this one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, because there's just, it's, it's asking me to just say, oh, all right, that's the end of that. That that meant nothing. Yeah. It's asking me to just read it as if it's a short story for little kids. Like mm-hmm. a creepy story. Yeah. You know? And if that's what you want, that's what you want. But I feel like you're shortchanging yourself a lot. So Valentine's Day was better than, say, Patrick's Day. Now we have Easter and Mother's Day. Which do you think is the best so far? I would choose Easter over Mother's Day. But between Easter and Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. What comes after Mother's Day, Kelsey? Father's Day. Father's Day, written and directed by Anthony Scott Burns, who directed Our House last year, which is not something that we have seen. So, what happens in Father's Day? A girl receives a tape recorder that has a tape inside it that was made by her father, who she thought her father was dead all this time. Yes. For years and years and years, ever since she was a little kid. And her father... We never see her father. We only hear his voice. Oh. Oh, okay. Weird. Played by Michael Gross, but not the actor Michael Gross who's in Tremors. It's just some rando named Michael Gross. It's this whole, like, come find me type thing. Like, I can't wait for us to be reconnected. And it's really, really intriguing. It's mesmerizing. It really had me. So the 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 concept is she gets this tape. It is her dad. It's her dad who she was told had died, but apparently he had just left. And it's him recording a message to her while he walks with her at the beach when she was a young girl on the last day that he ever saw her. And so she is retracing those footsteps as he is narrating where they're walking. So she can eventually, when she grows up and turns 18, can find him. She calls her mom and is like, what the fuck, mom? You need to call me back right away. It's not fucking fair. How could you do this to me, mom? All these years, he was alive. I miss him so much. You fucking call me back the minute you get this. Bitch. And she goes and she follows this message and she and goes she to the beach. she leaves her phone in the car. Yes. So which, when her mom tries to call her back. Exactly. She can't. <laughs> and the whole rest of this short movie is comprised of her listening, like us seeing her 
walk along the beach and down this road and turning on this street and that street while the dad narrates that he's taking the same journey. So we never see the dad. We never see the dad with the young girl. None of that. But that's the juxtaposition. The audio is the older journey and the visual is her when she's grown up at 18. It was, like I said, it was mesmerizing. It's very, very well done. Um, and it takes her and what it ends up being is like he's, I don't know, a part of some kind of cult or something. Where you get to see God and once you do, you can't come back. And you only get one chance. If you fail, you might, like, something bad might happen. I don't remember it's, that. Yeah, but, so that's why he was waiting until she turned 18 and she was an adult and she can make this decision for herself and be ready for it so she can take this journey with him and meet him, I guess, in heaven somewhere. But she winds up at this just, like, completely demolished church. What used to be a standing church, we assume, uh, but she, when she gets there, the whole place is demolished. And as he's narrating, I can't believe you're finally here. We're in the same room together. But, like, there's no ceiling or walls in this room. It's completely demolished. And there's a chair. And there's something sitting in the chair. And as she approaches it, she's getting a phone call in her car. It's from her mom. Probably telling her, stop, don't go there. Whatever you do, don't go there. And as we get closer to this chair with this thing standing, it's this fucking I am legend vampire demon thing thing just kind of turns and opens its mouth and screams and that's the end and it's kind of a dumb make no sense ending that really let me down yeah again like i feel like there was a full movie here i feel like there's at least something a little longer or deeper this is the my problem in general with short stories and short films is that A lot of the time, they come from somebody having a great idea and having zero clue how to flesh it out or end it. And so they just don't. And it's bad. And a lot of these end this way with full-size hand for no reason. Or, I don't know, I guess now you're the Easter Bunny? Like, (laughs) that's why I like Valentine's Day so much is because it's a complete story Mm -hmm. to me. It's beginning to end. I know what happens next. I don't care to see it on screen. I have the complete story. But then you get stories that are so well made. And then at the end, it's like, yeah, we had no idea what would actually happen when she got there. So I don't know. There's this weird demon thing that screams at her. <laughs> the end. Bummer. A bummer. This this could have been my favorite holiday of the entire movie. Such a bummer. So that said, still Valentine's Day? Yes. Yeah. All right. What is the next holiday, Kelsey? Halloween. Written and directed by Kevin Smith. Kel Surprise? <laughs> this is a very Kevin Smith thing when he doesn't have to put a lot of effort and time and thought into it. It's just a lot of, you know, let's talk about improper stuff that you wouldn't talk about in polite company and let's cuss a lot. And it's the story. Oh, God. Okay. Go ahead. Tell us what happens in Halloween, Kelsey. So these girls work for this guy, and they are cam girls. So it's it's basically porn, but it's just you. He keeps emphasizing that it's not porn. Right. Oh, you probably like something you do for your boyfriend or whatever. But it's cam girls. He wants them to be cam girls. Yeah. 
And it's in L.A., and it's under the guise of, like, oh, come out here if you're 18, you know? I'll pay you well. You don't even have to actually sleep with the guys. It's just all on video. Not a big problem. But he's just a scumbag. Of course he is. Like, yeah. th- like, why wouldn't he be? So these girls just come from these nowhere towns that just want to get out and want to do something else with their lives. And so they come here, and then it's really shitty. We meet our three girls, one of which is Kevin Smith's daughter. Harley Quinn Smith. Mm-hmm. They're really upset because, A, they're not getting a lot of customers because it's Halloween. Most people are out on Halloween. Yeah. And the last customer that one of the girls got called her... A whore. A whore. Right before he logged off. He got off and then he called her a whore. Yes. And so she's really upset about it. And they're like, you know, whatever his name is, let us out. His name is Ian. He... He's been in a couple of things, including... Okay. He's famous for making Epic Mealtime, which is a YouTube show. Um... He was also the dean in Video Game High School, which is stupid, but I love it. Uh, He's also a character in Tusk, so he's been in a Kevin Smith movie before. I hate that movie. I know you do. So much. But so these girls are really upset about that, and the guy is being a dick, and he's basically like, hey, if you don't get to work, like, I got new girls coming. You're going to be replaced. And they get really pissed and they're like you know what there's three of us there's one of you we might as well be a coven of witches and they decide to knock him out yeah and apparently they decide to put a dildo far up inside him and they connect it to a car battery um so they can press a button and it'll go off oh and then they super glue his ass shut or yes something, right? super glued yeah. is a butthole shut yeah what the fuck which I don't even know. Is any of this possible? Any of this. Why not? I feel like it can't be, but what the fuck do I know? They're showing him, hey, look what we can do. We can hurt you. Show us your pussy, because that's what he was telling them. Oh, oh, well, he they decide to do this after he's basically going to rape one of them. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, okay. The one thing that Kevin Smith has going for him for this vignette is... Cool, we get to see this dipshit, like, get revenge. Right. Put upon him, right? Here's the problem. It's the torture porn segment of the entire thing. It is. Here, that is the issue, okay? I don't enjoy torture porn. Even revenge torture porn is not fun for me because that usually means you still had to spend the first half of the film watching the girl get horrible things done to her, and then you get to see the revenge. Right. Here, like, like Last House on the Left, say. Exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. Here, we don't see much bad stuff happen to the girls. That's not to say that they were living their best life by any means. Uh-huh. But, like, we don't have to We don't have to sit through them getting tortured. Which is good. Which is good. We just get to see the dipshit get tortured. But therein lies the question of humanity. It's like, just because this guy is a piece of shit, does he deserve torture? Or do I want to watch it? Do I want to watch it? Does anyone truly deserve torture? Because there are lots of revenge torture porn movies that I think you're supposed to be like, yeah, get that guy. But I've never felt that. And like, I really felt kind of vindicate- vindicated when uh, Black Mirror came out with that episode of the girl who was... um put on TV and basically was tortured for the for everyone to watch 
because she was involved in the murder of a child. Yeah, and so they make her relive that over and over again, yeah. And, like, it's kind of making you wonder, like, should we be doing this to another human being, even if they did something bad? And, like, I've always felt that. I've always just been like, because they did these horrible things, does that mean that we then have to become as horrible as they are? Yeah, I mean, we talk about cruel and unusual punishment being a bad thing, right? It's it's made to protect citizens from a government doing cruel and unusual things. But you could apply that to any interaction when it comes to revenge or punishment of being cruel and unusual. And it does not say it's okay for the punishment to be cruel if that person, what they did was cruel. It's okay. Like eye for an eye. No, it says no cruel or unusual punishment, which is why a lot of things we do in our current prison system are totally fucked and shouldn't be done. But it's it's a, it's a thing I don't want to see. It doesn't make me feel good. Yeah, let that guy get his what for, what's coming to him. But I don't want to see that shit. Like, I don't want to see him getting a deadly vibrator in his ass in a way that's very painful. And then they slide a knife under the door and say, show us your pussy. And so he has to cut open, uh, I guess, his taint. No, cut off his dick, honey. Why would you say that? They said make it hollow. Yeah. He's cutting off his dick and he's making How would it- cutting off his dick make it hollow? He just... I'm saying that he could just cut open his taint or something or what. I don't know. Like, that's how he gets the vibrator out anyway, if he was to do that. And like, listen, is this a fun conversation for us? Absolutely not. So why would we be having fun watching this? Like, it's. And if you have a knife, cut the cable. This is always for me. Cut the cable. Exactly. That's a really good point. Um, I've also always kind of likened this to. A lot of people don't know why they made the movie The Human Centipede. Yeah. A lot of people don't know the story behind that. The I, The original idea came from them, the, the makers of the film seeing like a segment on TV about some child molester. Mm-hmm. And somebody made the, the comment while they were watching this, you know, I think all child molesters should have their mouths sewn to the asshole of a truck driver. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it went from... A punishment that you should give to a child molester to something that some crazy sick person wants to do to normal people. Yeah. And that's exactly the problem here. Oh, it started out as punishment, but it's like, but then put it into the hands of a of a of an asshole. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, like you're well, I mean, on the same is, level of this asshole. But this is also this this does kind of reverse that human centipede aspect where no, now it is happening to the the rapist. Right, but what I'm saying is, is like, oh, we think it's disgusting and disturbing when somebody does it to normal people, but whenever... Right. When, no, like, you're right. I don't know. I've never... And that's what I try to teach my kids. It's like, my kids will come to me and be like, oh, this person did this to me, so I'm going to do this back to them. And it's like, so you want to be on the same level as that person? I gotta say, since it was a short film, though, it was thankfully brief. Yes, They brief. end it really quickly. Because I could see them, like, hostile or something, making a whole movie out of it. Uh, but they don't. The One of the girls just ramps it up to ten immediately, and it kills him. Because they get bored. Yeah, they get bored. And then the one of the girls that, he's, that Ian has been talking to, uh, to convince to come down, shows up. And they're like, uh, Ian doesn't work here anymore. We've gone through a change in management. Uh, you're joining us during a period of transition for the company. As of today, we're actually under new management. 
And it's like, you know what? Good for them. Exactly. That's awesome. Interestingly, it's like the exact opposite of Father's Day, where I fucking loved Father's Day until the ending, which really let me down. In this one, I kind of hated Halloween. And then the ending, I was like, oh, cool. All right. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. And because it's made by Kevin Smith, it's probably the best. It's the most well-made segment of this. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I think he's a great filmmaker. So, like, what he did with it was very good. But I didn't enjoy the story. Yeah. So what comes after Halloween? Christmas. Written and directed by Scott Stewart, who... (laughs) I noticed this on my own. I was like, wait a minute, what? He directed Legion. Huh. Not the TV show. Oh. The movie starring Paul Bettany as a warrior angel protecting, like, a, a, a desert roadside diner from, like, demons. Haven't you shown that to me? I think we might have watched it on a movie night. Yeah, I think I've seen it. Yeah, years ago. He also directed Priest. The show? No. You're thinking Preacher. (laughs) Priest, which is a movie about a priest. Vampires! A vampire-killing priest. That's right. Played by Paul Bettany. (laughs) So he made two movies like a year apart, both starring Paul Bettany, that are religiously supernatural action thrillers. Awesome. That's his shtick. But not Christmas. And then he made Christmas. <laughs> so what happens in Christmas, Kelsey? Well, Seth Green's in it. You forgot to mention that. Seth Green and Claire Grant, who are actually married in real life. Awesome. So Seth Green is desperately trying to get this thing called a UVU. Not a not a Turbo Man? No. It feels very Turbo Man, like he needs to get Turbo Man because he promised it and it's Christmas Eve or whatever. And yeah, anyway. Yes. I'm trying to find a Turbo Man doll. So you view you is basically like virtual reality goggles. Yes. But instead, it's kind of like it taps into your mind and it and it and it's specific to you and it shows you what you most desire. And it works, except there are a lot of holes in this explanation because if you view it and somebody else hasn't logged out you just see what they desire and anyway we'll get to the real problem with it as the story goes on he goes to this place because he's called them and put one on hold but Mm. it's christmas eve and a guy got there before him and just took it it felt very much like in seinfeld anybody can just take a reservation (laughs) it's the holding of the reservation (laughs) they couldn't do So you know how to take the reservation, you just don't know how to hold the reservation. And that's really the most important part of the reservation, the holding. Anybody can just take them. Um, and so oh, he goes... I'm not a big Seinfeld fan, but there are moments where, like, just perfect. I'm like, a huge Seinfeld fan. Like, where's my wave? I say that all the time when I'm driving. <laughs> anyway, go on. So he's like talking to this guy. He's like, please, man, like I'll pay you way over what it's what it's worth. I just really need to get this. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, no, nope, fuck you. And is about to leave and has a heart attack. And Seth Green is given the option. He could easily call 911. Yeah. And who knows if the guy would survive either way, but at least he would be helping. But he doesn't. He takes the UVU and walks away. Yeah. So he takes it and he goes home. 
And his wife is just a bitch right off the bat. She's just like, I hope you didn't overpay. I didn't get the bonus I was promised. And she's pissed at him for not listening to her story. Next morning, the kid's super excited to have it. And he's like, here, dad, try it out. And he puts it on and he sees porn. Yeah. And he's really excited. Uh-huh. Uh, so then later, when his kid's asleep, he goes to take it again to watch porn. Uh-huh. Uh, but this time it's not porn. This time it's him seeing himself. You view you. Yeah. And he sees himself from the perspective of the dying man. Yes. It freaks him out and he takes it off. So then his wife puts it on. And as Chris said, if you don't log out, then you see what the last person was looking at. Yeah. And she saw, I saw what you were looking at. And I was like, it's the porn, isn't it? Or whatever. That's what I thought. But no, it's not. She saw the dude dying and Seth Green not helping him and taking the VR device. And so he's like, listen, this is what happened. He had what I wanted. And so I took it. Yeah. And she says, that's the hottest thing you've ever said. Yes. And so she jumps his bones and then they have sex. I just want to know one thing. Why'd you do it? Because he had what I wanted. And I was tired of being nice. That is the hottest thing you have ever said. After he he wakes up and he's alone, I think she's in the shower or something, but the goggles are still there and they're still logged into his wife's profile. And so he puts them on and what he sees is her... In, like, their basement or something, all tarped up, and she is torturing and killing her boss who didn't give her that bonus. And that's the end. And that's the end. I liked it! It was fun! It's fun. It's impossible, and it's silly, but it was a lot of fun. I love Seth Green! Yes. He's great. I enjoyed it a lot. Being silly, being scared, he's just fun. It was fun. Anything else to say about it, though? No. Do you think that it's better than Valentine's Day? (sighs) There's only one more holiday after this. Well, here's the thing. I like Valentine's Day because it is a complete story. But if I had to say, I would say that Easter and Father's Father's Day Day are more interesting. But but Valentine's Day has going for it a more complete story. It's just from beginning to end, it's just... There. It exists, and it's a good package. And this one is just lots of fun to watch. Yeah, uh uh-huh. You know, it's kind of silly. Like, it's not a complete story like Valentine's Day. It's not as dark and interesting as Easter or Father's Day, but it's just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. All right. Next up is... New Year's. New Year's Eve, technically. Written by Kevin Kolsch and... Dennis Widmeyer, those folks that are making Pet Cemetery, but directed by Adam Egypt Mortimer, which sounds like a fake name, who has done a few indie things, a video for Breaking Benjamin and for Emmy Rossum, but otherwise practically unknown. What happens in New Year's Eve? 
Uh, we open on a dude talking to a woman looking at pictures of the whole year of all the of all their holidays that they've spent together and it's very strange the the pictures of the woman do not look normal and he's talking about how I thought after a year of getting to know each other I'd finally be able to take off the tape but I still can't find out he um, has been keeping her locked up yes. for a year. Mm-hmm. And then he kills her. Yep. And he's like, it's time to find somebody else. So he goes on to basically Tinder. Yeah. And finds a new girl. And they are a 96% match. And this date scene is really fucking waja. Like, it was tough to watch. It was so awkward, especially with his fucked up teeth. I loved it. So she she's sitting on the couch when she gets the, the pop-up, and she's like, well, it can't be worse than the last one. So she decides to go. Yeah. And they're sitting there, and they're having a very uncomfortable, awkward date. Yeah. Both of them. But she is not, like, repulsed by him. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. You're like, oh, my God. Is she really? She I guess she's just as desperate as he is. Yeah. They're both acting very strange. Yeah. We already know about the guy. We know the that guy he is a murderer. A murderer, he but she kidnaps women. But she's also acting very strange yeah. and saying weird things too. They end up going back to his, her, place. her place, and she very awkwardly like grabs his dick at one point, and she and he's like, "Whoa!" And she's like, "Oh, should I not?" <laughs> he's like, "I just need to clean up first, freshen up." Yes. She's like, oh, good idea. Oh, whoa, whoa. Should I not? Uh, no, it's just, I, well, I need to use the restroom. You know, I just, I want to freshen up. Okay. Great idea. Down the hall to the right. So he goes into the bathroom and he's getting his chloroform out and ready, but then he notices something odd in the bathroom. I don't remember what he first sees. He yeah, sees something. I, I can't remember what he sees first, but then he opens up the medicine cabinet and he sees a bunch of jars with eyeballs and stuff in and them fingers. labeled with men's names. Yes. And then he sees one labeled with his name that's <laughs> empty. And he's like, oh shit. And he turns around and inside the bathtub is a dead man. Yes. I was like, dude, don't, why even? <laughs> what could you possibly find in there that would make you happy? <laughs> Do not look in the bathtub. <laughs> but he does and he finds dead bodies chopped up into bits. And then in comes rushing the girl and she's covered in all this plastic like and aprons Psycho. like American Psycho wielding an axe and she comes at him and he ends up falling in the tub <laughs> with all the dead body parts and everything like that. He tries to get away and she just swings wildly and ends up cutting off his foot. <laughs> and in he, so now he's crawling forward and it's not as disgusting because the, the, the short film has set a tone <laughs> that makes it like acceptable because it's a it's like silly and it's and it's a little indie it's not like halloween where it was just gross out and gritty and grimy uh no this was this was yes it's a man getting his foot cut off but it was kind of funny yeah so he gets to his stuff and he finds his gun and he pulls it on her but then he realizes there's no bullets he never loaded it and then she ends up taking the axe straight to his head and kills him. And then we hear the countdown of New Year's, and we see her dancing to the, the Auld Lang sign with her axe. And that is the end of New Year's Eve, and thus the end of holidays. And I'm kind of bummed that they did it at all. 
as because I love it and I feel like there was a whole movie here. In that one? I love the idea of a dark comedy about serial killers finding each other on a Online dating site without meaning to yes and having Each thinking they were approaching a victim i love yeah. uh-huh. that idea and i'm kind of bummed that they did it at all because now you can't do that if you did it you'd just be stealing their idea well kevin kolsch and dennis widmeyer can do it they wrote it they can they can write an adaptation of it i guess and may, who knows if pet cemetery is good I just, Mama 2 is good. I think it's such a great idea. Yeah. I fucking love it. I love that that's why they were a 96% match. Yeah. I love that that's why neither of them were freaking each other out at yep. dinner. Uh-huh. I just, I fucking love this idea. And I'm bummed that they made it into a tiny little short movie, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. But I feel like they could have done a whole fucking movie. So what's your favorite holiday on here? Probably New Year's because I just love the concept so much. But I really, really, really enjoyed Father's Day until the end. Yep. Easter. I thought Easter was super intriguing until the end. And Valentine's Day is good. It's good throughout. Short movie. Yeah, but it's not like it's it doesn't hit any of those great moments like Father's Day does, like New Year's does. But it is like consistent. And I felt kind of the same way about Christmas. It's not a complete story, but I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I think there were good ideas in St. Patrick's Day and Mother's Day. I just don't know that they were executed all that great. Mm -hmm. Halloween was fine. I wouldn't say it was awful, but it wasn't great either, just because I don't enjoy torture porn. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching this movie. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And it's far from perfect. Oh, yeah. Far from perfect. There's a lot, as you can hear, as we talk about throughout the conversation, there's a lot of problems that we have with these individual vignettes. But just as, as in general as a concept, I did not regret watching it. And even though it's almost two hours long, it kind of just sped right on by. It doesn't feel like you're watching it for two hours. Yeah. So what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? 73 50% out of 26 reviews. So half of the reviewers liked it, half didn't. And its Metacritic average is actually 50%. Overrated or underrated? Underrated. Absolutely. What would you give it? 70. You know, 70 is good, I think. It's absolutely not a 50. No. It's it's just a, it's a fun romp. It is. It's a <laughs> lot of fun to watch. It's not necessarily like scary, but it's just... I love little creepy stories. I like it. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And that is this week's episode with 1976's God Told Me To and 2016's Holidays loosely tied together, ostensibly through St. Patrick's Day, I guess. <laughs> Probably the vignette that we talked the least about in holidays, but whatever. <laughs> what are we watching next week? Next week is a recommendation week. It comes from Donnie. Donnie. Thank you, Donnie. So both movies he recommended were on our list. They were not put together and they were way down on the list. So they have been brought way up and put together now. Yeah. The movie The Changeling. Uh Uh-huh. 
from the 80s, and Ghost Stories. Oh, fuck. We're finally watching Ghost Stories. Yes. Okay, good. What What's the connection between them? Haunted House? Um, yeah, ghost, it's ghost stories. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Ghost Excited for that. Thank you, Donnie. Yes, thank you, Donnie. I've been wanting to see ghost stories for a long time now. Been so thank you for giving them. us uh, a good reason to. Until next time, you can always reach us at our website, podcemetery.com. There you can get a list of every one of our episodes as they come out uh, in chronological order, or you can view every single movie we've ever reviewed in alphabetical order. That's a great way to find a movie that you like and then just listen to that episode. It's a good way of navigating everything we've done so far if you have to catch up. You can leave a comment on any episode. You can share your thoughts on the movies or recommend one or two for us to cover in the future episode, just like Donnie did for next week. You can also email us those recommendations or anything else you want to chat about at podcemetery at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at podcemetery. I'll oftentimes add comments, GIFs, video clips, images, things like that, of stuff we think about after the mics are off or are visual in nature and so we can't share in the podcast. And Kelsey will sometimes live tweet a random horror movie, which she just did recently with A Haunting on Fraternity Row, which we totally butchered the title of when we were tweeting about it. Uh, Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Five-star written reviews are the absolute best thing you can do to help us out there. Better than that, though, is sharing us with your friends, and even better than that is listening in the first place. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? I know you're probably saying to yourself, what if the vet's wrong? Let me impart some important advice I learned a long time ago the hard way. Vets don't get things wrong. To the sacred place This ain't a dream I can't escape Molding some fangs that are picking up bones Spirits moaning among the tombstones <laughs> So bizarre <laughs> I assume she's talking about like an animal that died in yeah, the past Yeah, I guess, I don't know Oh, God it's So good Vet appointment <laughs> I booked an appointment for you at the zoo. <laughs> I just love how wonderfully weird it is. This week, I don't remember the year, and I don't have it in front of me. So let it's me pull 71. it up. 76. Mm. Bad guess, bad guess. Kind of like... Oh, fuck, I had it in my head. Where'd it go? Why even? <laughs> what could you possibly find in there that would make you happy? <laughs> Do not look in the bathtub. 